Welcome to the Esports Coaching Essentials Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help level up your career and business. Powered by Coachify.gg, providing all of the tools you need to run your esports coaching business. Track your students, inspire them to succeed, and turn your passion into profit. Sign up for free today. Today I'm interviewing PJ Bannon, currently a coach with FitGamer, previously known as Cloud9's Training Grounds. He has taught various STEAM courses at Weehawken High School, including running their esports team, and previously ran a collegiate esports program at St. Peter's University. Finally, he's just released a book titled The Comprehensive Guide to Esports Fundamentals for Coaches and Players. PJ, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, yeah, why don't you give us a little bit more about your background and then how you got into gaming and esports? Sure. Um, I think, you know, very unique to anyone in the field. I started playing video games at a very young age. Um, I started on the Sega Genesis and, you know, I always loved gaming with my sister, gaming with my parents, of course, and, you know, playing with some friends. Um, one thing I noticed kind of early on is I always liked PVP games a little bit more than I liked single player mm. games. Nice. Yeah. And as soon as Madden came out, uh, <laughs> the first Madden that was online, that was the first game I saw that advertised online player versus player play. And I was not into Madden, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is crazy. I, I need to do this. Uh, so I bought Madden, couldn't figure out how to play online, um, but was obsessed <laughs> with the idea of, you know, trying to play versus other people online. It was just the, the wildest idea to me, I guess, aging myself a little bit. Um, and then from there, you know, I started getting into games like Super Smash Brothers. I started, you know, I, I got a PC at one point, uh, started playing Half-Life 2, some mods of Half-Life 2. Um, and, you know, around college time, a, a little bit into college, I found my way to StarCraft 2. And that was my first real introduction to esports. And what really attracted me to StarCraft 2 was the, the fact that it was so difficult. And I had a good friend who played and he said, if you can play StarCraft 2, you can play anything. It's the hardest <laughs> game in the world. Um, so I really wanted to, you know, challenge and push myself at that point. So, so I, I picked it up. And I got into a little website called justin.tv, um, <laughs> which some of us now know as twitch.tv. And, you know, started watching people. And that was before the webcam days. You know, people just streamed the game. Most people wouldn't even talk. Um, and, you know, it really just kind of drew me in. And um, I actually joined the, I believe it was the very first season of the Collegiate Star League. Um, which was StarCraft II's, you know, college competition way back. Yeah. This must have been uh, 2010, maybe. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just an, an absolute blast. And then I continued on to Counter-Strike Global Offensive, um, which was my, you know, second big esports game. You know, I played a bunch of ESEA seasons, was starting to really get into the whole esports scene and really kind of understand it. Um, and then let's see what happened next. So oh, and then games. I, there's so many games. <laughs> and then um, I actually, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this more, but, you know, kind of guess the, 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 the quick rundown. I made an org with a friend of mine 
which, you know, now I look back and it's, you know, when you make an org with a friend, how many times do you start something with a friend and you just like look back and cringe a little bit because like, you know, it was this little thing that you said was going to happen and never really got started and it was really cringy and bad. But, you know, me and this guy, he found me through my stream and through a mutual friend. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to start this with him. And, you know, we did. And it actually went somewhere. Um, so we, we, we were called SciComm Esports. And we were the top, the rank number nine Heroes of the Storm team in North America. And that was during a tournament where the top eight got flown out to California for BlizzCon uh, for the live, you know, finals, whatever tournament. We were, we were number nine um, right around then. And, you know, that was, that was really, you know, I, I guess my real awakening for esports, you know, making an org and kind of getting that far um you know getting into it and then i became a teacher started my high school esports team there as soon as they would let me um i kind of forced my way into saint peter's university as a coach they had an <laughs> esports team no coach and i just showed up and i said listen you need a coach and it's got to be me um found my way there and you know wrote a book joined cloud nine and here we are Awesome. It's crazy, but it really is like the most guaranteed way to get into esports is just to like go out there and start doing it with someone, anyone that will let you just put yourself into that situation. Yeah. I mean, that's what I always say. You know, people who reach out to me on LinkedIn, maybe even some old students of mine when I was, you know, teaching at uh, Weehawken High School, they say, How do you get started? I say, Do it. You know, you just have yep. to make a project and actually do it. No one's going to hand you this free experience, you know, and don't don't pretend that you're part of this organization that's more than you are, you know, doing all these community events that no one shows up to and all these like large, like whatever. Just do one thing and do it well and get that experience. That's how you get started. Absolutely. So was coaching the collegiate team, was that kind of your first experience, like officially coaching or had you coached other people before? Right. Good question. Um, so I actually started coaching back in SciComm Esports when we were the, the, the Heroes of the Storm team that I was talking about. My good friend who is a player on the team, he recommended that I get into coaching based on my love for like education. Mm -hmm. And he really saw, you know, the future of esports is like coaches are going to matter so much. I think you'd be so good at it. And, you know, my, you know, I'd really love to have a, a coach for this team, all that. So that's, that's where it really started. Very cool. So do you, were you coaching for money then? I mean, it was with your own org. So it was probably more of just trying to make the team better. When did you kind of start actually seeing, you know, the ability to coach and, you know, get paid for it? That's kind of a tricky question in my situation, you know, with SciComm, um, it was definitely more of a net loss. It wasn't net gain money wise, <laughs> um, as you know, small orgs go. And then my next real coaching gig was uh, at the high school. So I was you know, getting paid full-time salary, not necessarily for coaching. I got a small stipend for the high school coaching club. But, you know, as far as getting paid to coach, it's almost kind of, you know, maybe not really, because no matter what club you do as a teacher, you get paid. So it, it's hard to kind <laughs> of distinguish that, especially as like coaching pay necessarily. Um but then St. Peter's University, that was a paid position. So I'd say that was the first time it was like, you have been hired for this act of coaching and are now getting paid for it. <laughs> Very nice. So then was that kind of like the major breakthrough then for you? 
um, major breakthrough in terms of uh, like, maybe, go ahead. Oh yeah, so it's just kind of like the major breakthrough for like, you know, kind of really, you know, feeling that you'd kind of gotten there as a esports coach then? Yeah, that that's another interesting question. You know, there's a few times where I've sat back and I've said like, does this mean I've made it? What what is what is made it? What does that mean? Um, and you know, getting the job as a college esports coach was definitely one of those times where I was like, wow, I got hired by someone else to do this job. Yeah, um, which was nice, but also I, you know, again walked into the building and begged them for the job. So it, it was another <laughs> kind of like, I know I'm qualified. They don't really know I'm qualified, but they like a coach. So. You know, I'd say the the first kind of real like, oh, I actually know what I'm doing moment was um, when I got hired by Cloud9 for their training grounds program. That mm. was kind of the the real validation that I needed yeah. in order to really feel comfortable that I actually knew what I was talking about. I know talk about imposter syndrome. I needed the largest esports organization in North America <laughs> to tell me I was okay in, in order to feel good about what I was doing. But that that's just kind of how it happened to me. Very cool. So especially with your education background, what would you say your personal style of coaching is? Right. So my, my personal style, it didn't start where it ended, uh, or sorry, where it is now, I should say. Um, you know, I started really trying to be like a really rough and tough football-like coach and then kind of like trying to apply that sort of methodology. Um, and, you know, it was very uncomfortable to do that, but I think it was an important process in understanding who I was as a coach. Um, and I was, I was taking grad school courses and, you know, I came across this text that talked about your finding your leadership style. Mm -hmm. And that really, I, I wish I could remember the name of the text, but it, it, it's a fantastic thing to do to recognize that there are different types of leaders and to identify what is your comfort zone and how can you best help people as, as a specific type of leader. Um, so that was really kind of a turning point for me. And you know, what, what really kind of made me search for that turning point, I was coaching SciComm as my first ever coaching you know, experience. And this must've been within the first month or two, we were in a practice session. I had no idea what I was doing. Nothing was going well. I didn't know what to say, how to say it. And all of a sudden a player, one of the players on the team is still one of my great friends to this day. He completely took over the practice and he said, Hey, let's do this exercise. Let's do this. And started, you know, really being empathetic and, you know, but with very good, good intent and direction and focus on what he was doing. And I was like, wow, I, I need to step up my game and, and become more like this. So what, what I ended up doing over time is I, I realized that I could take my teaching techniques and combine them into my coach coaching techniques in a much more comfortable way, because that's how I approached uh, teaching was, hey, this is my comfort zone. This is what I'm strong at. Maybe I should do it this way. And so that's, that's where I started really coaching much more empathetically. And, you know, by empathetic, I mean, being able to identify that what I'm saying is not as important as how it's being received. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's huge because no matter what you say, it could be the most correct thing in the world. If, if the player isn't hearing it, it doesn't matter what you're saying. It doesn't matter at all. Um, so one big thing, I, I'm about building a culture of improvement. And so, you know, one thing I do is I don't use the words good or bad. And I do a lot of analysis. 
Um, and so I think that's really important because when you're doing self-analysis or team analysis or enemy analysis, any sort of game analysis, as soon as you say the words good or bad, you immediately strip all the details away from what you're talking about. That was a good peak. Oh, wow, what a bad play. That doesn't mean anything, right? So a lot of my, my culture building in my coaching style is building around neutral analysis and forgiving yourself for not making proper plays because you're able to identify what you did and what you could do next time that would give a different outcome. Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of the overarching style of my coaching, I'd say. Very cool. Yeah, so that's interesting then. It, it sounds like you know, you're definitely trying to keep the focus on the gameplay itself and you know, not exactly protect the player's ego, but mm -hmm. by kind of just redirecting maybe some of the emotions that would come up from feeling like, oh yeah, did a bad play to you know, trying to just focus completely more on fixing it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it's really, you know, I don't even know fixing it. I would, I, with my players personally, I wouldn't even go as far as saying fixing it. I would just say, what happened? Why did that happen? What can we do next time to happen? And yes, the, I, I know that's synonymous <laughs> to fixing it, but, you know, even those, those words, depending on the student, that might rub them the wrong way, mm. right? So it's kind of all about this completely neutral analysis of, you know, this is the event, this is the result. So much more of a cause effect. Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. Nice. So what would you say like the most important thing for an eSport coach to know or learn how to do is? Yeah. So that it really depends on the, on the type of coach you're talking about. You know, if you're talking about a coach who's doing private one-on-one -on -one sessions, that's a different answer than let's say like a collegiate eSports coach who happens now to be in charge of an entire department. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll tackle kind of a little bit of, of both with my answer. Uh, again, I think it's really important to identify your style of leadership and not try to be the leader that you imagined in your head you might be, but, but yeah. really try to identify where your comfort zone is and work with that. I really recommend you build a sense of empathy. Um, you know, trying to play the role of coach can really get in the way of identifying your, your students or your, your athletes' needs and emotions. And, you know, depending on your team or, or your player, that could really, really be a problem. And, you know, once you're able to identify how your team or player, how they learn and how they compete, you're able to change how you do things. You know, for example, I had a Rainbow Six Siege team at the college level, and they were the type of people where they thrived once we started doing push-ups after they, you know, made, made a, a play that ended up losing a round or something. They love that. <laughs> and you know, once I started implementing that more kind of traditional sports kind of coaching technique, you know, being a little rougher with them, if you will, emotion wise, that that's when they thrived. And that's when they came together as a team versus my high school Overwatch team, where three of the it was six at the time, um, never played Overwatch in their life. I can't have them do push-ups when, you know, <laughs> something happened. You know what I mean? They're, they're never, they're, they're never going to come back. So really kind of identifying how you can best help your team. And you really need to ease into that, into that. Also, one thing I really recommend that I think is very necessary as a coach in an esports team, I think you really need to spend the time getting really good at a game and competing at that game at the highest level you possibly can. 
I think building that understanding of how to reach those levels really does become important depending on what kind of level of athlete you're working with. If you're working with middle schoolers on an esports team, you know, don't get me wrong, you're going to be able to do it with the knowledge that you have. But, you know, if you ever want a one-on-one coach or coach at the high school level, you know, sometimes high school, definitely college level, you really need to understand what it means to put yourself, you know, really dedicate to a game and push yourself. And I think a lot of coaches don't have that right now, which is okay because the scene is growing and we have a lot of new people. But, you know, this is this is my plea to you new coaches. Please, you know, understand what it means to really compete at a game and get to that level. So I assume you mean that in not just like the game knowledge itself, but just like the, you know, subtle nuances that exist between different games for when you're really pushing for a high rank within that game. You know, I, I, I actually don't mean that. I know it it sounds kind of, it sounds kind of crazy. I know, but (laughs) you know, I think that if you're able to reach a certain level in any game, you can see what it takes to reach high levels in other games. And I think a lot of people don't ever reach that point as coaches. And so they don't see the similarities between games and how, you know, I don't know a lot about League of Legends. I guarantee I could coach an individual player up to a grandmaster. And it's not to do with like game knowledge. We, we can find someone to tell you about game knowledge. It's about mindset. It's about your practice techniques, your, your, your analysis techniques. It's about how you get there. It's not necessarily about all of these little, little details and game knowledge pieces. No, don't get me wrong. Those are important, but we have ways to find those. And we have people who can help us with that, but that's not the hard part about hitting grandmaster. And I think that's really important to identify. Nice. So kind of looking back on your history, is there anything that you would have done differently? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say because when I started it, you know, esports coaching was only a thing for like the highest (laughs) ranks ranked teams, right? Like it didn't like really exist. Um, So, you know, it's hard to say, you know, I I think I, I tried to choose the path that was best for me for where I was at at the time. And, you know, looking back, it's always, you know, could I have tried harder? Could I have done more in this situation? But, you know, I I think I can look back and say, I've really kind of put my best foot forward towards this path based on where I was on the choices that I've made. Yeah. Cool. So how do you go about improving yourself? Um, A big part of my book, I, I would say most of the book, Um, is talking about the improvement cycle, Mm -hmm. um, which has four major steps the way that I identify it. uh, The first step is to identify, um, you know, things that need to be practiced. And that comes with, you know, practicing your analysis techniques that I've been touching on all that. The second is focus practice on that specific thing that you identified, where you kind of isolate yourself from a live environment and practice that. Then there's live practice where you focus on practicing that identified skill in a live scenario. And then the fourth step is to implement it, meaning you stop thinking about it and it just becomes part of your everyday, you know, what you're doing. And I apply that technique to practically everything I do that I'm really trying to improve at. So that goes with coaching, that goes with gaming, that goes with everything. So if I identify that I'm unable to um, work with a certain new high school esports team that I 
uh, got paired with, uh, with Fit Gamer Training Grounds or something, right? Mm-hmm. I need to identify why that is happening uh, and what specifically I can practice. I need to take a step away, practice it, consider it, think about it, bring it back to the team, be a better version of myself, and then it is implemented, we are there, and we are improved, and kind of start that cycle over. Nice. Any tools that you have that you like to use that, or is it just kind of more of a pen and paper, Google Docs type thing? I love taking notes. Uh, I, I think writing physical notes, is it really works for me. I, I remember things a lot better, and I see patterns a lot better when I write things down. So I, okay. I, I do recommend writing things down as much as possible. Yeah, there definitely is something about like actually physically writing it out that physical movement versus at least for me too for typing something out where like I probably won't remember, you know, 5 minutes later whatever I typed versus like having to write it out. So, that's a great piece of advice. Oh, totally. Uh, and I had students as a high school teacher who <laughs> I, I would I would write notes on a whiteboard and they would take out their phone and take a picture of the whiteboard. Yeah. Like, guys, you're never going to look at that picture again. There's no way you are going to remember what that says, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's what happens. Yep. So, you know, I think having this kind of improvement cycle is a fantastic piece of advice, but is there anything else, you know, that you feel, you know, is like kind of the most important piece of advice for a new coach, especially? Again, it, it kind of depends on what, level you're teaching and how many people there are. Um, so if you're on, if you're coaching youth esports in any way, just empathy, 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 understand them, understand where they're coming from, be, be real with them. You know, a lot of coaches will put on this sort of like fake personality for, for children who they're coaching or teaching or interacting with in any way. Kids can identify that right away. Be your own genuine self and empathize with how they want to learn and enhance that learning. I think that's really critical. Um, I think as a college coach, one big piece of advice I give to a lot of new college coaches is that game selection is super, super critical mm-hmm. in a way that they may not even realize. The, you know, there's a couple, when I was really into this, this college esports scene and all the discords and all these meetings, there was always these coaches who, you know, the new hot game would be like, let's have a league for this. So when Among Us came out, <laughs> literally coaches were saying, let's have Among Us leagues. It drives me crazy. Optics matter with this sort of thing. Esports is still new. People don't understand us. If we have a game like Among Us or even Knockout City, where it's, you know, a, a, it's, it's a cute game, it's player versus player. It's not an esport that's going to be around for 10 years. And, you know, as soon as the, the people who put money into this and try to support this, but don't understand it, see that we have these kind of cute, uh, like childish games that disappear after a month. And all of a sudden we don't have this team anymore. All of a sudden your program lacks consistency. Mm. And all of a sudden these people don't see your program as serious as it should be. And I love knockout city and fall guys and among us don't get me wrong but there's a time and a place to put those in a program and it's not when optics matter and you need people to take your program seriously um and then i'd say for anything like outside of the education space like a one-on-one coaching or any sort of website or something like that 
it's really identifying your, your leadership style again. That is, a, I cannot drill that point home enough. As soon as you're comfortable with what type of a leader you are, you're, you're going to be a better leader. And I think that's yeah. really important. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially because like, you know, you're not spending brain cycles or energy trying to pretend to be or act like someone that you're not, you know, to try and force yeah. a style. And so when it comes much more naturally, then you can, you know, actually focus on what matters, which is coaching your players. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, so now that you've got a book out, you know, what are your mm -hmm. future plans? You know, what are you working towards next? You know, I'm going to keep pushing the book for a bit. Um, I think the book is very important to the esports space, and I don't think anything like it exists. Um, I've done a lot of research, and I, mm. I tried to find something to use it myself. That's And that's kind of how the book was born. You know, a, a resource for teaching the fundamentals to a beginning and new level player just is not out there. It's not out. It's not, there's nothing except some YouTube videos, which are good but all of a sudden you don't have a collection and you have to kind of find these sporadic pieces of information that may or not may or may not be good because no one has it all. So, you know, I, I really tried to create this as kind of a repository of all this good information that you can help, you know, your athletes learn with. And if you're a player, you can learn with it too. So main thing, really pushing this book out. I think it's really important. I'm always trying to improve myself as, as a coach and an analyst. You know, I live on Twitch. And I just nonstop watch for the purpose of learning versus the purpose of entertainment, yeah. which is crazy because I, yes, I spend all my time trying to learn and not <laughs> any of it just sitting back and being entertained. Yes, that's accurate. Um, and I think that, that that's another differentiation I, I make in my book, you know, watching for the purpose of improving yourself as a player or an analyst or something is very different than sitting back and watching XQC yell at something. And a lot of players don't recognize that and need to kind of be told that. So that's something that I, I try to do for myself to kind of live by example. I guess, uh, you know, I'm going to keep making connections uh, in the esports space. You know, it's, it's a good space. It's a welcoming space. And, you know, the more people I can meet and talk with, the better. Fantastic. Well, PJ, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a great pleasure. Uh, so where can people find you online if they want to connect? The best place is definitely my LinkedIn. I am uh, LinkedIn slash PJ Bannon. Um, no numbers or anything. So you can also search me up just PJ Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. -N, and I will uh, likely respond within a couple hours. Thanks again.